This is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Podcast. Welcome into the show. My name is Braden Dennis. As always, with the dynamic Simon Belanger. Let's get into it. We have tons of good content. We have a fan favorite topic, which is basically what are Canadians investing in lately? How are they feeling? What's the sentiment? Let's kick it off with the TD Investor Sentiment Index. Yeah, yeah. So I sold that one for you. I know you normally do these, but I think it's still... We haven't done in a while. We should try to do it like maybe quarterly or something because it's always super fascinating uh, to look at. Now, the index, I'll give a little overview because we actually I don't think we've ever done that before. So the index they use goes from minus 100 to plus 100, minus 100 being the most bearish and then plus 100 being the most bullish with around zero being like more neutral. There is four criteria they use. They look at bought, sold imbalance, so which is the net activity of equities that were bought or sold during the period. Second thing, chasing trends, which shows what was bought on the way up and what was bought on the way down. Equities, the third one is equities that were bought at extremes. So it looks at equities that were bought at or close to their 52-week highs and those that were bought at or close to their 52-week lows. And then the flight to safety or risk on slash risk off. It looks at investors moving to safer investments like cash, GICs, and fixed income. So the index can also be broken down in categories like sectors, which investors felt the most bullish bearish about, sentiments by trading styles, traders versus long-term investors, and even sentiment by province or by age. Now, for May 2023, I think, yeah, they do this every single month. Um, The overall sentiment is somewhat bearish, so it's minus 18 on that plus 100 to minus 100 scale. And overall, it's been, I would say, relatively bearish for the last 13 months because they have a little graphic showing that uh, with the peak optimism in the past year or so being around January of this year. Um, And now we'll look at some of the names because I think it's really interesting. So uh, you have it up. You beat me to it. I was going to Yes. This, do you want to do most bought? Yeah, first? let's do uh, most bought, and it's really interesting just to see the jumps too uh, that we've saw we've seen for those names. All right, kick it off here. We got uh, first. Oh one, yeah, most yeah. Bought. I didn't want to. You had it up, so I, I, I'll just go ahead and do it. <laughs> uh, so the first, you're like you're doing this right. I'm, yeah. I'm like, no, this is this is your section. I don't want to steal steal your thunder. I'll okay. have I'll have perfect. Some take so the first one most bought uh, TD. Uh, up from number two, which is always interesting because TD is always pretty high up there and it's something from TD. It's because it's their platform, yeah. their customers. Yeah, exactly. they're, they're very bank biased, dude. Like Canadians are weirdly uh, like, uh, what's the right term? Like loyal to their bank. And I don't know why. 
<laughs> makes no sense. Yeah, I know. It's just like whatever your parents gave you. <laughs> yeah, it's always anyways, it's always interesting to to look at these. So the second one here on the list up from number 10 is Enbridge. I'm going to go on a limb and say that probably has to do with uh, their dividend being quite juicy. I think right now uh, it's at around 7% and it's been Stock hasn't been doing all that well, so the yield's pretty juicy. So I'm assuming that has something to do here. Um, Tesla is number three, down from number one. Suncor, no change at number four. Shopify, down three spots to number five. This one is not a surprise. I probably not to anyone. So number six, NVIDIA. Uh, surprise, surprise. I'm assuming it probably got most of its gains and this towards is, the end of May. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> May data too. So like we're, it's probably even higher. Yeah, now. exactly. Probably the last couple, I think what was it like a few days before the end of the month, right? That they came out with their earnings. Yeah. Uh, bank of Nova Scotia, another kind of high yielding Canadian bank at number seven, up from number eight. Uh, CIBC, which is number eight, down from number seven. BMO. Up from number 12 at number nine. You go on a yeah, bank like run a, here, no like pun intended. A bank run. So Royal Bank at the last <laughs> one up from number 18. So definitely, you know, Canadians love their banks and this keeps uh, showing it. Enbridge, Shopify, Banks, and Tesla. That's that's the and NVIDIA. Yeah. NVIDIA is the new Tesla, man. It's the new trade the stock for no reason. For people who are so loyal to Tesla stock and they're like fanboys of the stock, they make it their personality. Why do you trade it so much? You know, if you're so loyal to the stock, why are you trading in and out of it so much? Because, Simone, good segue. It was the number two most sold stock as well, down from number one. Yeah. So, you know, it's always in the top like three to five most traded both on buys and sells. So I, most people are just in and out of this thing all the time. No, not most people, but clearly the data shows people are in and out of it constantly. Yeah, I think it's really popular with traders, especially. I remember listening to another podcast maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and the guy was a trader and was talking about Tesla and was saying how, you know, it's so liquid and the price movements, it's very volatile in terms of stock too. Super volatile. So, it attracts a lot of options trader as well because that's usually where you'll get some of the kind of best potential returns from options too. So I think it may have something to do with that. Um, I've always... The thing is here, yeah. folks, don't be using a $10 a trade buy and sell platform to be trading stuff. You have other options. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, now, so the most sold, uh, which is interesting comparing to the... Uh, yeah, the name's on the most bot list, but uh, first one, Shopify, um, and I won't say where from, from where they were up, I'll just go down the list. Tesla, number two, NVIDIA, number three, so it's like a lot of people bought it, but a lot of people are taking uh, some profits here, it feels like. Air Canada, number four, TD, again, interesting to see it here, number five, AMD, uh, wow, that, that one's a big jump, so it was... Uh, Highly sell, uh, sold during the month, up from number 28. Um, number seven, Apple. Number eight, Amazon. Nine, Suncor. And then number 10, Enbridge. So it's funny that there's a lot of overlapping names in both of the, the lists in terms of most bought and most sold. 
Yeah, a lot of these are just super high traded. Uh, and it looks like some people are locking in some semis gains with the designers, AMD and NVIDIA. I'll also rifle through the most hold, most held. And it's hilarious because it's TD, Enbridge, Bank of Nova Scotia, Royal Bank, Bell, TELUS, CIBC, Suncor, Apple, the first US name, and BMO. Dude, this list is... Canadian <laughs> bias in a nutshell. Yeah. It's Canadian bias. And that brings me to the next point. 52 point, I'll call it 53% of assets are held in Canadian equities, more than double allocation to US equities. International equities at only 4%, very little ca- uh, bonds being held, that's fine. Uh, you know, f- some cash, that's no big deal. The big thing here is Canadian equities basically is double U.S. and international equity exposure combined. And that is not a good statistic, folks. <laughs> that's, that's not one we should be particularly proud of. The Canadian home bias is very, very strong here, uh, very clearly, especially in the most held. Nine out of the top 10 names are high dividend yielding, low growth Banks, telecom, and energy. We got to get a little bit more creative. This list, I think this is why I stopped talking about this list, is it's triggering. <laughs> it's a triggering list. Yeah, that- do uh, self-directed investors do better? This is this is this is sad. Yeah, and key. I think it's important to to keep things into context. Like, I don't know what percentage of the Canadian self-directed market TD has, but it's also like it's not a huge sample size. I'm pretty confident at saying that, right? Because um, TD, I'm sure they have a decent part of the market, but there's there's yeah. a lot of competition in there. There's cheaper brokers, even like a Wealth Simple that has, I think, no cost. Uh, so does uh, National Bank. So it's just a snapshot. It's very possible that the overall market is slightly different, but I think you know it's still insightful. The asset, the asset class uh, studies align with studies done across all the brokerages. Yeah, yeah. And one one part I'll I'll be super interested at seeing is the kind of cash and cash equivalent. Um, to see if that starts going up because uh, I, I referenced the last episode next week I'll be doing a segment on what Canadians in terms of the inflows for Canadian listed ETFs and uh, that has been uh, there's been a lot of inflows in money market funds They're just not in not just in the US but Canada too and so that one is really interesting I know you have a segment kind of touching on that a bit later today too I'm going to talk about something kind of similar around asset allocation. I got a tweet here from Holger. Oh, God. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. That is way too many Zs and Ss and Hs together. That's 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 impossible. Do you want to take a crack uh, at that Holger Schapitz, uh, Schapitz, something like that. And the first letter of his last name is a Z, so... Um, yeah. The first and last yeah. letters of yeah. his name are Z. So, I don't last know. Last name is Z S C H A E P I T Z. So we apologize for butchering Simone, the name. If you if you could do last names in Scrabble, 
Oh, baby. Oh, you could do almost anything. This guy's yeah. last name. <laughs> this guy's last name would... You put throw that on triple... You throw that on a triple word score, this guy's last name, and you flip the board and say, we're done here. So for the first time ever, yield on cash, bonds, and equities is the same. The yield on three-month treasury bills, 5.3% this week after the Fed held the interest rate. That is the same level as the expected 12-month forward return across the S&P 500, which has risen 15% since January. So uh, here I'll throw a little uh, screen share for the beautiful people at jointci.com get to see our beautiful faces and our graphics. Um, and you can see here the top line, the S&P index earnings yield, which is just the inverse of the P-E ratio of the market, uh, gives you a percentage. And you can see it's come down a little bit with valuations gone up here in 2023. It took a big a big dip in 2021 as expected, rose in 2022. This is just because the prices went down, right? Prices went down and earnings yields or, or earnings and forward earnings looked pretty good because that's what this is, forward forward earnings. US corporate government investment grade bonds. Sorry, not not uh not government. US corporate investment grade bonds have risen dramatically, of course. And so has the US three-month treasury rate. And they basically all meet at about five and a half, just under. And apparently this hasn't happened in multiple decades, apparently, from, uh, from not only this graphic and the comments in, uh, in below on Twitter. So I thought this was quite interesting. This is not a, hey, run for the exit sign on equities and get into fixed income. But it is interesting to see how different the environment is that we are now in compared to, you know, the very, very low interest rate phenomenon that we've been under for, you know, the better part of 15 years before this. Yeah, exactly. And the earnings yield, typically the higher it's going to be, the better uh, potential returns that you'll have at least for the that's right you know the medium term at least i would say uh but you know even into the long term but having more possibilities i think it's really interesting because i've been saying that quite a bit and my portfolio i've been allocating a little bit that same way is that you know it's so attractive now you can park in three months one to three months u.s treasury bills and you get over five percent and it's backed by the U.S. government, so it's it's you. I don't know. There has to be a bigger gap for it to make a whole lot of sense to invest in equities. Obviously, if you dollar cost average, it kind of alleviates some of that issue that people might have. But again, you know, you do have this other option where you know you don't need to do one or the other, but like what I'm doing is just I'm doing kind of a split between both of them because, you know, it's kind of nice to have some dry powder that's yielding 5% plus uh, right now in my portfolio. And if I do see some really good opportunity, then I'm ready to pounce on them. Yeah, good point. There's like an implied IRR and having the ability to act on opportunity. And for those who are listening at home and you, you hear you hear the talking heads on financial media websites and and uh, TV stations. You'll hear earnings yields or free cash flow yields. It is just the inverse of 
the price to earnings ratio. So price to earnings ratio is price over earnings. So price of the share versus earnings per share uh, as the denominator. This is flip it. So earnings up top, price on the bottom. And it sounds more fancy, right? Because now you're on a percentage and you get like, you know, the earnings yield, the implied earnings yield. Uh, and this one's 12 month forward. So looking at next year's earnings. So don't get tripped up when you hear fancy words on the internet and in, in TV. Oftentimes, it is a refreshed version of something that you already know. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got to sound smart. So you got to use words that uh, people are not as familiar with. Using the good old P-E ratio, that's too elementary. You know, I, I got to sound smarter than that. Earnings yield. You know, it's like the uh, Winnie the Pooh bear meme. Yeah. It's like the, 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 the basic Winnie the Pooh price to earnings ratio. On the bottom, he's got his like top hat and sophisticated earnings yield. Yeah, I mean, it, it is useful here because you can compare like percentage to percentages. It would be really weird to try and compare, yeah, price to earnings. But for sure, <laughs> yeah, oftentimes totally, totally. it may sound complicated. And unfortunately, the talking heads, they never or very rarely explain it. They just assume that either they think people already know it or they know that those who don't probably won't check and they'll listen to everything they say. I feel like it's usually right. the two ways they kind of approach things. Yeah, don't get me wrong. For this graph that I showed, you got to throw it in an earnings yield so that you can compare things on a percentage like for like basis. And that's why it's used and useful. But what, to like what you said, there are a lot of terms. My point is, there's a lot of terms that are used that sound complex but aren't, and they're riff, they're renewed version of terms that you might already know and understand. But if you use fancy terms, it describes your need because often these people are money managers and collect management management fees, and if your customers, your clients don't know what you're talking about, then it means that you're needed, right? <laughs> you're so far and above smarter than me. I need, I need to keep paying you for these fees. And I'm not hating on money management. It's a, it's, it's a very worthwhile industry that helps a lot of people. Uh, I'm just letting y'all know it's often not as complicated as it seems. All right, on to the next uh, topic here. Yes, I wanted to look back at how the TSX has performed so far this year because we talk quite a bit about the S&P 500. And as a general rule, there's also like just more data available for the S&P 500. I don't think I'm breaking that to anyone. So it's much easier to find like pretty easily some data where the TSX, you know, there's not as much and you have to you know, look for it a bit more. It's a bit harder or you have to even to do it. You have to do it yourself in some instances. But, you know, I wanted to have a look at it because first, you know, how as a TSX perform as a whole compared to the S&P 500? Is it doing better, worse? Um, I feel like, Brayden, you probably already know how it's doing. So it's doing definitely a bit worse than the S&P 500. So what I use is I actually use... Um, uh, four ETFs. So I use VFV.TO, which is an S&P 500 non-hedge uh, ETF, VSP.TO, which is the Canadian hedge, 
the RSP, which is the S&P 500 again, but equal weighted. And then XIC.TO, which is the BlackRock S&P TXX capped ETF. Now, in order, uh, the best performing one, which is a little surprising, but it is kind of short term, right, year to date, is the Canadian Hedge at 15% year-to-date total returns, VFV.TO, the non-hedge, 12%, the equal-weighted S&P 500 at 6%, and then uh, trailing in the back, uh, the S&P TSX cap ETF at 4%. So it's definitely trailed from that perspective. However, I wanted to look at the different sectors, if it's being dragged down by certain sectors or pulled up and how it looks, because we've talked about it this year. Obviously, the S&P 500 has been pulled up big time by tech specifically um, without those big, you know, top 10, 15 market cap companies, most of them being in tech, you know, the S&P 500 would be uh, not performing all that much better than uh, the S&P TSX. So let's look at the top five sector of the S&P TSX to see how they've performed. Together, these five sectors represent about 80% of the index. So I'm looking here at financials, energy, industrials, materials, and information technology. So financial, it's roughly 30% weighting. So using the iShares S&P TSX Financials ETF, ticker XFN.TO, it has 2% returns this year. Energy, 17% weighting. So again, using the iShares S&P TSX Energy Index ETF, this one is XEG.TO, 0% return. So it's pretty much flat. I'm assuming this one is being pulled by the dividends because obviously energy has not performed all that well. And to get back to the financials, actually, before I move on to industrials, um, surprised me that they're, it's actually performing above water considering everything that's uh, happened in banks and in the US. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? Did you expect financials to be performing a little worse than they are? I think that they got so beat up. When was the when was the SVB collapse? Uh, March 10th, 8th, 10th, Ooh. around there. Yeah. Okay, so fairly, fairly recently. I, I think that they just got so beat up, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's it's possible. I think you know, obviously, Canadian banks are not U.S. regional banks, uh, but you know, I, I still was expecting probably a little bit underwater for the year. But uh, I mean, I know a lot of people hold banks, so uh, thankfully for I'm sure a lot of our listeners are doing pretty well. So help me understand that this this financials is just for the S and P TSX, yeah, yeah right? exactly. So and. Because I see on your graphic here that there's also the S and P 500. Uh, okay, as a comparison. Yeah. So I compared. Okay, I'm yeah, with you. exactly. I'm with so you. I compared the whole like kind of TSX compo- composite versus the S and P 500, and then I'm just kind of drilling down the S and P. Uh, sorry, these S and P TSX in terms of the different weightings and sectors in Canada, because as everyone knows, we're heavily weighted towards especially financials, energy, but also industrials, materials, and IT are the big five sectors in Canada. Look at tech. Yeah, My I'll God. go over. <laughs> I'll go over that. So now the next one here, industrial. So the weighting here is 14%. Uh, I use the BMO equal weight 
uh, industrial ETF. It's the only one I could find that made sense, ticker ZIN.TO. And this one has had 12% returns this year. So I'm not surprised industrials have actually performed quite well. Materials, 12% weighting, obviously a lot of the mining companies here, and using the iShares Cap Material Index, XMA.TO. This one is a bit underwater, so minus 1% returns. Not surprising, commodities have not performed all that well so far this year. And then the one you reference, information technology, 8% weighting, and I use the iShare capped information tech ETF, XIT.TO, which not a lot of names, obviously, because Canada is not a major player in tech. It's Shopify and Constellation, Yes, yeah, 50% of the index is those two. And this one has returned 35%. So it's been, um, I guess it aligns with the US, what we're seeing, because I've also uh, pulled some information from sector SPDR, and it's actually, you know, obviously in the U.S., there's definitely more of a sample size. But, you know, it gives people an idea of what it looks like in the U.S. And they have more names in the index. So, of course, I think the data is a little bit better because there's such a, a limited amount of names, especially for certain sectors in Canada. But it still, you know, aligns pretty quickly. If you look at tech in the U.S., it's up 39% and 35% for the, the TSX. And all the other sectors, I think, are are pretty in alignment obviously communication services that interjects a lot with tech you have like a google for example or alphabet which is typically in that uh, sector so keep that in mind if people are kind of wondering why they're doing so well but uh yeah the tsx you know it's performing not as well as the uh the snp 500 but overall the sectors are pretty similar that tech number is alarming <laughs> <laughs> I guess I mean I guess the 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 key here right is we just touched on this in a, a second ago. Whenever you're presented with data, it's always really important to remember to drill down. And and we we just did drill down, but it's easy to kind of quickly overlook that. We said okay, it's mostly Constellation and Shopify. And look how those two constituents have have done well. And this leads me to a point where you're talking about this, you know, index performance year to date. And you're seeing the S&P up like, what, 15% year to date, roughly. Um, and you get tricked into thinking that the market has just been ripping higher across the board. When it's really just a few select names that have driven so much of the performance on a market cap weighted adjust. Like, what has Apple done year to date? Which is what, like 8% of the S&P these days? Um, Apple stock year to date total return is up. I mean, it's doing Four, well, and no. uh, it shows, right? If you just look at the RSP, which is the equal weighted S and P five hundred forty eight, is it? I had, dude, I had to really. I, I I looked on I I looked on Stratosphere, and I was like, I can't be right. <laughs> that number's got to be wrong. I'm like, that number's got to be wrong. Forty percent. I just checked a bunch of other sites. Oh yeah, it is, and then even just the just in just the Google, just the graph. <laughs> uh, Apple opened year to date at 125, and it has been nothing but up. Yeah, I guess my 48 uh, percent, yeah. bro. Did I talk about that on the, a on couple a, months ago on a two and a half trillion dollar business? I mean, we were just talking about how it's going to hit three trillion or whatever soon, but my goodness, the ultimate blue chip or safety stock. 
I think that's what it is. People just go to Apple because, you know, it's been dominating for so long. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think it's just that it's just what it is now. People go to Apple because they view it as a, a safety stock, a safety tech stock that they get, a you know, a, an allocation or exposure to the tech space, but with like extreme safety. I think that's how people view Apple. Maybe I'm wrong, but what's the other explanation? <laughs> the second largest constituent at two and a half trillion, Microsoft is up 40.6% year to date. Just the share price. And you've been mm-hmm. paid a couple bucks on the div. Like where I'm going with this is don't be don't be eluded into the fact that you see, you know, the market's gone up or, or, or say to yourself, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a bad investor because I'm underperforming this year. It's basically just a few names that are mostly mega caps that are driving almost all the returns here for the S&P. When you have something that's 8% and 6% of the, of the weighting, respectively, that are up 45 or 48 and 40 percent and then you have uh, nvidia tesla um google you know these these mag the the magnificent seven or whatever people are calling them these days up big and it's june it's very misleading and it can be it can be frustrating if you're not in those names right and that's why people say it's so hard to beat the index Exactly. Because it is. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I definitely have more. I don't have that much exposure to those names, like, directly. But I do have a quite a decent amount with my index funds, especially my pension, but other index funds that I have. So I think, you know, for me, it's, it's I guess it justifies having that hybrid approach where I do invest in some specific companies, but I have a, a decent portion in the index. But no, I think it's super well put. I mean, like I've mentioned a couple times now, if you look at RSP, which is the equal weighted, I mean, it's doing well at 6% total returns, but I mean, it's it's nowhere near the 15% of the market cap weighted. Yeah. I'm having a good year. I know that. Yeah, me too. I know yeah. you are too. Yeah, after yeah. 2022, I mean, it's good for a change. <laughs> yeah, you're up over 20%. I'm up over 20%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I. it also shows that we, you know, we invest long term. We don't panic. It would have been easy to panic after 2022, especially after Monster 2020 and 2021. Uh, but at the end of the day... You know, you can't really time the market. Bro, your book did 64% in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, your, I did. I had a good one. Your returns well. were... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did 64% in 2020 and 29.8% in 2021. Uh, in 2020, I did 14, so you smoked me. But then I got you in 2021 yeah. at 36. In 2022, I got crushed, yeah. especially with my Bitcoin. 2022, you had a yeah. you had double the drawdown yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm 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 over here boring, uh, boring as can be. Uh, no, dude. I mean, we've done well, and the reality is, is we're not trading. We're not in and out of names. This is the uh, this is the really important thing, right? We're just talking about people being in and out of names all the time. If you like the stock. And it's up twenty percent. Why are you taking profits on something that you know? I, I was just listening to uh, 
Barry Schwartz, and he was talking about first service. And he, he, you know, he bought first service stock in 2004 and they sold it in like 2006 after making a nice gain on it. And I guess this would have been a split. Uh, I can't really see what it would have been because they had the split with Collier's or whatever. But way back then, he would have made like 28, a 28 bagger and he sold it because he made like, you know, I'm going to make up the number, but he made like a, a nice gain for his clients. He's like, don't sell winners. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's actually true. Don't sell winners. But at the same time, some things are getting yeah. pretty frothy. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to, uh, it's the, the hardest thing about investing is there's nuance. It's like, don't sell winners, but it's like, you can't yeah. hold them blindly either. I think it's, you know, don't get yeah. us wrong either. And what we're not saying, I think we invest for the long term, but you also have to make sure you know and you keep knowing the businesses because a, a winner, you know, a company that you've done extremely well with could be ripe for disruption. And if you're not aware of that or you don't, you know, change your allocation a little bit, you don't need to sell the whole thing. But, you know, maybe you take some risk off. Um, you have to be aware of these things because, yes, winners win. I totally agree with that. But at the same time, you know, there's countless winners that have done extremely well that did not uh, adapt well to change. And they are just shells of themselves. And obviously, the the, the one that or grow into their valuation. Yeah, exactly. Or like one that's easy to to dunk on as a Canadian, but uh, BlackBerry, right? Like you could have seen BlackBerry, you know, in its heyday, like, oh, I mean, it's been a fantastic stock. Why would you ever sell it? And then BlackBerry didn't really adapt to the changing landscape with the uh, the smartphones and what Apple was doing. Have you have you watched the movie yet? I've been I've been I've been. I keep getting told it's amazing. It's, it's I just still in theaters, theater, right? Really, I think. Yeah, it's still in theaters. Yeah. I'll probably watch it when it comes to uh, to the home screen. That's right. Yeah, the home screen. Um, have you watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary yet? Yeah, I'm gonna keep it. We started. started yeah, it. so it's uh, uh, still just finished uh, or close to finishing the first episode. Uh, as new parents, you know. Once it gets to 9.30 at night, we start getting tired. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I've been doing it in pieces. I'm almost done. Uh, it's on Netflix. Highly recommend, folks. I could run through a brick wall after watching that. Like, he's so inspiring. Uh, makes me want to just go lift some heavy weights and, like, be great at everything. Yeah. Because he's uh, he's very... I'll brilliant. join you once I right, last- warmed up for 20 minutes and stretch. Yeah. that's right taking four preventative agiles let's talk about 20 canadian stock winners this is the canadian stock content day today uh canadian stock winners 20 names on the tsx that have at least 500 million in market cap today and why well because winners win with nuance this is total return share price plus dividends I'm going to run two screens. So the first one is in order. Uh, oh, yeah, you're sharing it up. Good, good, good stuff. Asante Gold Corporation, Patriot Battery Metals, Philo Mining, Well Health, Bellis Health, Headwater, K92, Foreign Mining, Capstone, Tricera Group, Zenon Pharmaceuticals, 
Standard Lithium Ivanhoe Mines. More mining names, Shopify, TFI, International. Okay, so I look at this list and I go, hmm, a bunch of materials and mining and exploration companies that have largely been boom bust. And this is the problem with chasing returns is this list is a list of mining stocks that have gone up a lot because they've you know they've done well or they've their their exploration project went well boom bust type businesses not the types of compounders that I'm looking for and so you know what I did I adjusted the screener and I removed commodity names I removed mining I removed material I removed energy and the reason for that is because this next list is actually a mostly high quality list of businesses to learn more about and give you some ideas generation on companies that have done very well, but not recently. This is a compounded annual growth rate, total return of five years. At first, we have Tricera Group, the only uh, Tricera Group and TFI International, the only two names that were on the first list. Thomson Reuters. Element Fleet Management Corp. Watch out for this one, actually. Do some do some digging. I don't know about that one. Uh, Go Easy ATS Corporation, which is the automation company. It's pretty cool. Home Capital Group has bounced back quite a bit. Constellation Software, Stantec, the engineering firm. EQ Bank. Oh, baby. We love EQ Bank. Descartes, which is, I'm saying wrong, but that's ticker DSG. WSP Global, the engineering firm roll-up. A stock I have owned for five. I've owned the stock since 2018. It's done tremendously. I think there's still a huge room for growth there, even at 17 billion in market cap. Storage Vault, Kushtard keeps getting it done. Aritzia, which is on a nice little pullback. Dude, I went into Aritzia the other day at the mall, a little channel check. They're doing all right. They're going to be all right. going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to be just fine. The next little lemon They're gonna be just after fine. my rant last time. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be just fine. I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women between 18 and 32 yeah. in there. They're, they're exact. And, and 10 guys on their... The store just kept going. And 10 guys the on their just phones while their girlfriend or spouses are looking around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's the boyfriends, and then there's there's me. Well, I was with my girlfriend, and there's me doing channel checks. You know, I'm seeing how how much discounting's going on. Inter how many interviewing customers? Like how much have you? <laughs> how much did you spend last year? How much are you expecting to spend in 2023 on uh, Aritzia clothing? Are you expecting? <laughs> Would you say your Q3 spend is? Would you say there's good guidance for your spend in Q3? You have to do like customer interview. Like they're like, sir, you're in the, you have to leave the change room. I'm like, okay, sorry, uh, I'll leave. Uh, no, they're doing they're doing just fine over there. Uh, Loblaws, which has been on a tear. Intact Financial, Capital Power, and Uni Select. What is Uni Select again? What do they do? Uni Select. They like. Uh... Like, uh, I think they're in Quebec mostly. They're like pharmacy chain, potentially. Distribution. Oh, distribu okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. 
Uh, uh, yeah, it's a logistics business. 15 distribution oh, okay. centers. Looks like they're out of Brampton, yeah, Ontario. I was completely off. I'm like, oh, it's a Quebec company, pharmacy. Just forget. <laughs> just take, you know. I think you have Unilever, maybe. Unilever. Yeah, no, I feel like we... There. Anyways, I don't know. I feel like I got confused on something. But uh, So just forget the last minute that I, I talked to you. <laughs> just... I just blacked out for the whole thing. Don't worry about it, buddy. Uh, that does it for today's show. Uh, lots of ideas, lots of names of different securities, some that uh, I'm not too particularly too interested in, some that I am. So I've tried to comment where necessary. If you're wondering how I was able to quickly pull Simone's returns and my returns, it's because we track it for the world to see. At jointci.com. We track for the world to see for $9 a month. The world to see if you just take your bank account, your $9, and make it Simone and I's $9. But with that, you get to see our portfolio updated every single month, as well as this podcast on video. You get Simone's uh, income portfolio that you do every single yeah. quarter. Mm-hmm. which essentially like stemmed from helping out your parents, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah, no, that's it. Cool. Uh, that's at jointci.com. And we're about 14 days-ish from increasing prices on Stratosphere from today. And the prices are going up significantly because we have now locked in institutional data quality. So if you've been humming and hawing or you're on a free account, the price is going up dramatically uh, very soon because this data is very expensive and we need to attract institutional data quality. But don't worry, you can lock in and grandfather in at today's pricing. So if you do want to subscribe to Stratosphere at stratosphere.io, that's there. With this launch, Simone, FinChat is going from 800 companies to 60,000 global securities. Oh, slight increase. Everything... Yeah. It's just a tiny increase, just a small, yeah. just a small increase from mega cap to lo- to small cap from India to Brazil, to Japan, to, to China, to Europe, uh, you know, small caps in Poland. We got you. By the way, there are some really good serial acquirers in Sweden and Poland that I've been researching that trade at ridiculously cheap multiples for very high quality acquirers. No one knows about it. So that's a good little hunting ground. Yeah. No one buys them. Who's looking at mid caps in Sweden and Poland, like the investment universe is so like people don't really have that in their universe, but there are some really good names that only trade there the same way that there's some really good roll-ups here in Canada that no one looks at. So same thing. All right, folks, take care. We'll see you in a few days. Bye-bye. The Canadian Investor Podcast should not be taken as investment or financial advice. Braden and Simone may own securities or assets mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment or financial decisions.